Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, John, it's good to see you. How has your week been? What, what have you been up to? You know, this week has been pretty normal for me, still helping out the worship teams as they've been recording. But I did get to go to a gathering of Chinese pastors here in the Bay Area. And it's a, a gathering of all the Alliance pastors. There were like 25, 26 pastors on that call. So I think we found a new source of guests for this show. Perfect. Yeah. How about you? How's your week been? It's been good. We are getting ready for my daughter's fourth birthday. And so this kicks off. Well, it doesn't kick off. It's kind of like right at the beginning of birthday season for us as a family. We have enough kids where for the next six months, we have birthdays every month. But, you know, we were busy just planning out the birthday for my daughter and getting excited, you know, getting gifts and cake and doing things, just our family, but making it special for her. So it's fun. It's been fun to do that. Oh, that's really exciting. And I have had some of these cakes in the past, so definitely something to look forward to. I'm really excited for our guest today. Um, last week, we had Josh Chang on and Josh was my intern. Well, this week... We have the pastor who I interned for, and Ben gave me my start in ministry and learned so much from him. Um, so I'm really thankful to have Ben Zhang on. Ben is the uh, pastor of evangelism and community at Central Presbyterian Church in St. Louis. So Ben, welcome. We're really glad to have you on. No, thank you guys for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure, and it's great to fellowship with you guys. Thanks, Ben. It's good to see you. As we get started, could you share with us like a two-minute quick snapshot of how you got into ministry, your calling into ministry, and uh, maybe even your involvement in Chinese churches and, and how that came about? Yeah, I, was, I went to University of Champaign-Urbana for electrical engineering and enjoyed it a lot, but then got involved with InterVarsity there. But every time I would come home from U of I, uh, we would be in the Chicagoland area, and my family found a home in Wheaton Chinese Lions Church. And there I just got plugged in every summer retreat, just getting hooked up with the church as well as kind of different things with the, the youth group and uh, just the church in general as well. And after I graduated, I definitely was just having a sense of what's next, God. And God had me kind of work for a company called Accenture Technology Consulting. But at the same time, I wanted to see where God wanted me to serve. And at the time, WCAC's youth director had stepped down after over 10 years of ministry and they were looking for someone to kind of stopgap that until they could find another youth minister. So they asked the church pastor, uh, son, as well as me to kind of take over in that transition period. And as we were kind of just loving the youth group, uh, something that was supposed to be six months turned into about three years. And we just loved it. We, it would turn into something that was just like, make sure that the boat doesn't sink. To how can we make this sure that this doesn't just sink, but how can we make it flourish? We just loved working with youth leaders. We loved working with those that would want to volunteer and then just see what we could dream up and seeing kind of impacting the youth ministry. So it really changed and transformed us as well. And then eventually gave me a calling that said, hey, I love this technology consulting thing, but my heart really is in serving the, these youth as well as the church. So that eventually led me in, over to seminary. So how did you end up in St. Louis then? Because you went from this church in Wheaton to another church in St. Louis? When I was at WCAC, and that, that's where me and John, we interacted a lot, and we loved doing youth ministry together. And that's the thing that I would say, youth ministry is just where so much life happens at church. 
and so much innovation. So the exciting place is youth ministry. And when you see the excitement and the different things that you can do with youth ministry, I was wondering, why doesn't the church do a lot of this? The way we serve the community, the way that we would have our small groups, the ways that we were impacting and transforming lives. Why isn't that happening at a church level? And you would always have those conversations. And while you were there, there was a lot of ability to kind of trust you with a lot of youth group things and started getting more involved in young adults as well as other aspects of the church. And my heart was expanding for the whole church, all the excitement from the youth ministry. Why are we not doing it as a whole church? And having the experience in the Chinese church, you know that you want to see how to work with all the different leaders all the pastors, all the different aspects of the church to do that work. So seeing where God was leading me, I definitely was wanting to see if that would be at WCAC, but the opportunity did open itself up in St. Louis. Also, as that transition period happened, I did get married and my wife was actually in St. Louis as well. And she was working at WashU at the time. So uh, it was quite a commute as she was commuting back and forth from St. Louis to Chicago. So something had to give in our first year of marriage. And she was applying to places in Chicago and I was applying to places in St. Louis and God opened up that door in St. Louis Chinese Gospel Church. Cool, so at St. Louis Chinese Gospel Church, you served as the English pastor for a few years and then God opened up another door to your current church context. So tell us about that church and what was it like transitioning really from you know youth pastor to English pastor at Chinese churches now to a church that's pretty different from that. Yeah, going from youth minister to English pastor at St. Louis Chinese Gospel Church, I did really appreciate the opportunity to grow in ministry, especially as now an English pastor. So it was really cool to be able to see, hey, I'm ready to exercise these leadership gifts. I'm ready to preach every week. I'm ready to help establish a lot of where the church needs to go. The transition wasn't hard because I was always ready for those things, but I just needed somebody to give me a chance, right? And give me the opportunity to do those things with a church. And I know the Chinese church is always looking for someone with a lot of gray hair and just more wisdom and, and experience, but the opportunity for churches to see that they can see God move through the next generation of leaders uh, is super important. So I was really thankful for CGC to give me that opportunity to be the English pastor. And actually three years into that opportunity, they actually asked me to be the lead pastor of the whole church. So again, that opportunity was not something that was lost on me. Again, I was embracing ministry, embracing the opportunity to work with elders, leaders, and the whole church and see where we wanted to go. And I was so thankful for people that would be willing to give a chance, right, for this next generation of leaders. And it was just a, a blessed time of just really growing with the church and really helping with what the church needed to establish. But it was pretty clear by seven years in, my heart was feeling everything that was going on in St. Louis and especially in our nation. Just there was a lot more than just the ethnic church and the Chinese church. And I'm never going to regret my time in the ethnic church as well as I'll never tell people that there's not a place for the ethnic church because I still think that my heart would actually be drawn back to the ethnic church. But there was just something that to be said of what was going on here in St. Louis with Ferguson and with Mike Brown and just what was going on in our city. And also we see so much of the still the racial divide here in St. Louis and just a lot of the other things that were going on in my heart and serving the city, uh, serving the poor, just wanting to get outside of the suburban bubble. And the church would embrace those things, say, those are good things, but don't forget, you need to shepherd our church. So... I love that. I love the opportunity to serve the Chinese church because I was looking to Annie and I just said, we love being in a context that we know. We know how to love the people here. We know how to serve in this church. But Central kept on calling us and asking, would we come over? And we said no. We said no twice. And they kept on saying, hey, we really need like people of diversity to help us grow in our diversity. And we kept on saying no. 
And then me and Annie just kept on looking at each other. What are we doing to impact the kingdom? And again, we could have given you a list of things in our ethnic church, what we were doing to impact the kingdom. But for me, who I am and how God's built me to really love those outside the church, was I utilizing my gifts in that way? And what God was saying is stop, continue to go to your comfort. Start looking at how you're going to impact the kingdom in the ways that he shaped me. So me and Annie looked at each other and we heard a sermon from the senior pastor at Central at the time. And it was speaking exactly that language of how he wanted to grow the church to be not a church of just, but he didn't come back to just maintain a church. He came to help it grow to be a, a, the, the church that God wanted it to be in its diversity, in not just race, but also in social economics and just all the different things that historically what we've been known as, as central. He wanted to see where God's going to lead it. And part of that is having leadership that's different too. So me coming in as an ethnic kind of uh, Asian American is the first ethnic person they've had on staff. Uh, so again, that transition would sound hard, but it's been easy because of like-mindedness on the staff. But it's not been easy in the sense that We've now gone from going to a, a church that we're really comfortable with in our ethnicity to a church that we're ethnically different, but at the same time, we're still Christian brothers and sisters. How do you feel like your time growing up and serving in a Chinese church contributes now to the church that you're at, Central, that is pursuing diversity? For you as a Chinese American pastor, what do you bring to the table for those conversations to happen? Yeah, there's just so many things that, uh, especially from our context, what we can bring into a majority context discussion, because they definitely know uh, what's going on in our culture, but they have no experience with it. Mm -hmm. And they have no idea what that actually looks like. And especially in a lot of the circles that I play in now, it, a lot of it's in the intellectual kind of head places. And there's no connection with kind of the experiential or the feeling or the empathetic aspect of it. And knowing where I'm coming from, from the Chinese kind of church, I definitely bring that Asian aspect, but also just the ethnic minority type of feeling to a majority setting and helping them understand that. And the only reason why we were willing to come to that church is because they were willing to change um, and willing to accept that and, and have conversations about it. So the original title of the, the position I was applying for was pastor of evangelism and assimilation. And my first meeting with the search committee, because I was already having problems with just even applying, and now I'm having problems with the title of what I was gonna be called. I said, you know, after the, we had a really good meeting, the first meeting, and they, we really loved each other and liked each other a lot. But I said, you know, if this title maintains that it's the pastor of evangelism and assimilation, I'm probably not gonna continue in this pursuit. And they said, really? Why? And I had to explain to them, if you're looking to grow in your diversity and your outreach to the community, and especially from an ethnic person, and you're calling me to ask someone to assimilate to Central, yeah. that's not a good term for us because you're asking them to assimilate to a white culture, white church. And they're like, wow, we never thought of it like that. And I said, well, you've got to think about it like that. And something that usually happens in the Presbyterian world, it takes forever to change titles and forever to change, but they changed that for me. So I knew that they were ready. They were ready to have these conversations. They were ready to pursue that and go forward. So that was one of the things that I could definitely bring into this context, especially from my background at the Chinese church. What are some of the things from your time in the Chinese church or the Chinese culture that you're able to bring and share with your church now that have been a, a benefit to them? And then what are some of the things that you've learned from central or from majority culture that you would take back to the Chinese church and say, hey, this is something that you could grow in and we can show you how? 
one of the things that I think that they're learning uh, from what I can bring to the table is again, just a lot of the understanding of how to connect with those that are marginalized or minority, right? And just connecting with their wants and their needs and helping them come to the table. And even me being there is representation. The first time I showed up at church, I predicted that all the Asians would start gravitating to me and Annie and just start introducing themselves. But we saw nobody come to us and we were shocked. We're like, why are no Asians coming to us? Eventually, I started introducing myself to Asians. It's like, hi, I'm Pastor Ben. I'm the new pastor here, et cetera. You're Pastor Ben. I was like, oh, yeah. Everybody's been asking if I'm Pastor Ben. <laughs> They've been mistaking all the Asians as Pastor Ben. So nobody wants to think that they're Pastor Ben or Annie. So it's just interesting because just representation already, they know that they have someone that they can come to. And then also, I can bring their wants and needs to the staff and the church. It's been an interesting experience in those kind of aspects that, again, just having that kind of representation on leadership is already a good step forward. So that's what I bring a lot to Central. And again, it's a fuzzy thing because you don't want to be the token Asian as well. So the only reason why I felt like I'm comfortable in that is the, the staff has treated me not as a token Asian. They've treated me as an equal. They've treated me as a pastor. They've treated me as a brother in Christ that we can work together. And that's been a great benefit in why I joined that church, the Central Church. Uh, now, when it comes to what the ethnic church can learn from uh, the majority church, I'm going to tell you, there is just so much I've learned in the white church and how they network, how they have structure, and how they actually live up to it, too. They have a caring team for another caring team. They have committees to care for that committee. And they have tons of other committees. So it sounds like it's a ton of red tape all over the place. But at least they have it. And then if you're looking for, oh, we got to discipline somebody. Oh, where do we go? Oh, the book of discipline. All right, we have one. Well, you're in the ethnic church. What are we going to do? Oh, let's, let's write up something. Let's write up something right now on the fly on how to discipline somebody. And you're writing things on the fly for your bylaws and your guidelines and your kind of constitution. And there's just not enough time in the ethnic church to, to play around with that. You know, because we're already doing ministry and we're 100 miles per hour in ministry. How do you have time to do all these other kind of uh, structural guideline things? So taking that from the majority church is actually a real benefit and then bring it into our context. One of the things that Central is doing really well now, we took a whole year where we were trying to find out how to shepherd our flock. It's a big church. So how do you make the big church feel small? And they felt the best way to do is that to do kind of flock groups. And that the benefit of the flock groups is to have elders be the shepherd of each of the flocks. So make the shepherds, the elders, and the elders be the ones that actually start exercising what they're supposed to be doing as elders anyways. Care for the flock. And it wasn't just, oh, elders, just go do this. The majority church has resource and, 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 and connections that they start writing up these manuals mm -hmm. on how to do it. Mm -hmm. So you have a whole manual that we give each flock leader. Here's how you're going to do it. And then we're going to have a meeting to make sure you feel you're trained. Here's the opportunity for us to discuss how those flocks are going. Uh, so the majority church does that really well. Structure, governance, the opportunities to give guidelines. Well, the ethnic church really needs to learn those. Yeah, I really appreciate how you are able to have a seat at the table. Uh, and it sounds like you've got other pastors and leaders around you who are willing to listen and defer, which is so important, right? Especially for, for leaders who are majority culture, to be able to take a step back and be willing to listen. That's so important for us as ethnic minority leaders to have a seat at the table, to be able to use our voice. And I'm thankful that you have that. And I'm also grateful that you see the places in which the ethnic church and specifically Chinese churches can grow. I'm interested in thinking through if an English pastor of the Chinese church 
wants to connect with a majority culture church, how can partnerships form? How are churches able to learn from one another? Where do you see ways for churches of different ethnic identities to get together and, and to grow together? That was one of my sad things about leaving Chicago, because Chicago was really good about trying to be more networking. So the English pastor network or different aspects of us networking with other Alliance churches, right, John? And just that network feeling of trying to connect with each other and talk and then see what we can learn from each other and grow and then help others as well. Uh, I know that we were trying to connect with a lot of not just other Asian churches, but others as well and just doing worship and then other kind of aspects of service in the city. St. Louis, it seems to be everyone plays in their own sandbox. And it's been really tough trying to build those networks, but we started building those networks and it's been valuable when people are actually able to get out of just their own church and say, it is important to meet together with other pastors, other network of leaders to see what we can be doing. And we started one called the Interminority Dialogue here in St. Louis. So all the different ethnic churches, we try to give a seat at the table. So we were trying to meet as pastors and, and talk and dialogue on what we can do. We threw a couple conferences. We even uh, invited Sanjan Ra to come down. Then in the other circles and arenas, I definitely am just trying to still network that, especially with how we do events. Like we just did an event called Unity in the Lou, where we were downtown in the city, where we threw a big prayer and kind of worship event. And we invite everybody, right? So I invite all the networking of the Chinese churches that I have to come out. And we also network with all the other churches that we have just partnership with. Uh, Friendly Temple, which is a big black African-American church here, as well as our church plant, Central West End, and just a different a bunch of other churches that we're just trying to do things together and just building that unity here in St. Louis. And th that, again, is important, right? The idea of us networking and, and seeing that the body of Christ is bigger than just our church. And there's a place for the ethnic church, especially to outreach and, and reach those that need that, that heart language. Uh, and then also just the ethnic ties, but you can't make it just about that, right? So we need to have those avenues of connection outside that. So if, they, if we are finding more and more of those networks, it's great. And I, I'm hoping that we can do more of that together. I appreciate that you really have an eye for networking and kind of seeing the kingdom as one big family with a lot of very different parts, bringing something to the table. Do you feel like that was a sentiment shared with the Chinese churches that you were a part of, or is that something that you had to teach and, and show? It's definitely not ingrained in the Chinese church, right? I think that when we go on mission trips, let's go to a place where we can speak Mandarin Chinese. And what, what are we going to do in the city? And we're going to outreach to international students. And all those aspects are there and it's not improper because that's actually a good function of who we are. We're built that way. We can functionally do it well. But again, if we make it just about that, then we're not seeing the full kingdom and trying to train the church to see that and understand that was hard, but it's possible. I've definitely seen it. So at St. Louis Chinese Gospel Church, we brought in perspectives to do the global uh, mission training. And it was great because a lot of the church just started seeing their eyes and their hearts open up to not just Chinese. And again, we're functionally built to reach out to Chinese and overseas Chinese, as well as Asian Americans. But who else are we supposed to be worshiping with, growing with, going on missions with, and just seeing how God's using us to impact the kingdom? So a little bit of each is necessary where we're growing in our Chinese churches. Yeah, I, I think that's hard to do in our Chinese churches, especially with leaders who in the Chinese congregations 
they know who target group is because they have that heart language they, that they share and they want to reach out to those people. But kind of just switching gears up a little bit, I think even though we recognize the need for partnerships, even though we recognize the need for growth as the big C church, for you personally and your family, how do you help your family establish their identity as first Christ followers who are also Chinese Americans in a majority culture church? Both me and Annie, our parents are from Taiwan. So we actually consider ourselves Taiwanese American. So even within our Asian-ness, there's this kind of diverse difference. So what I've learned in the Chinese church, especially, especially in the St. Louis Chinese Gospel Church, you can't just say Chinese American, right? Or Chinese, That's because true. we have Malaysian, Singaporean, right? We have Indonesian, we have like people from all over. And the diversity of that with our kids, keeping their pride in their Taiwanese culture, but at the same time, recognizing there's something bigger in this Asian culture, uh, but then also they're American. So helping them have just dialogue of what that looks like for them and have pride in that. Because I think there's something different nowadays though. Because when we were growing up, we were kind of a, not ashamed, but we, we were made fun of. So bringing kind of seaweed or kind of bringing rice and just different kinds of food to, what are you eating? And now my kids bring that kind of stuff to school and they're like, can I have some? Wow, you're eating sushi? That's so cool. And so they're not having the same experience as us. I think that there's more embracing of who they are and they can be proud of who they are. And I love it because I can tell them that they can be proud of who they are and their difference. We had to go through that so that that was the inroad for them. But there's just different challenges that they have had to have of recognizing that their difference as well as that's really cool it is going to be hard at times when you don't feel like you fit in and they haven't been built with that toughness that we had to grow up with so training them and teaching them those kind of things when all of a sudden they're feeling a little uncomfortable when things that they're hearing about in the news or with it being called the chinese flu or the chinese virus and you know just all these things on wait we didn't have racism before why why is this going on now and just having these discussions and my son saying i'm a little nervous going back to school it's like why well, I don't know if everyone's just hang out with me because I'm the only Asian really in my class. Oh, let's have a discussion, bud, right? So having those discussions with our kids, me and Annie are really intentional about making sure what they read and what they see has a lot of representation for Asian culture, who we are. They're still exposed to a lot of their friends from St. Louis Chinese Gospel Church or other places. Just make all of that really well-rounded uh, so that they know that they're first, again, like you said, Christ followers and they can find their full identity in Christ. But then they're also, they have an Asian identity and their grandparents will make them remember that as well. But then there's just this training in them to, to know that's special. Uh, but then know there's going to be hardship because there's still racism out there. And then know how to deal with their majority context, especially in that, that community. Ben, we really appreciate you coming on our podcast. As we wrap up, we just wanted to ask you one last question. What advice or encouragement would you give to somebody who is coming behind you and serving in Chinese context, a Chinese church? I know I personally have received that from you, but what do you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I love that question. So thanks guys for thinking of that question. And what I would say is busyness is not equal to godliness. And the Asian context, we give so much worth to making yourself so busy. And the Chinese church expects that from us. And I'm going to tell you right now, if we work ourselves to the bone and never take care of our soul, you're not going to be able to feed anyone and share and teach to anybody. And the Chinese church, as much as they uphold that busyness and say, there's so much worth in being so busy. I've worked seven days this week is not what God wants from us. Mm -hmm. And 
the aspect of how to get healthy is to model it as leaders and then challenge your leaders to model it and don't let them get bogged down by how the church culture expects you to work so much, but at the same time, show them that your work is valuable and you do do the work, but there's also a dignity in that rest and there's the necessity for rest. And I'm going to tell you right now at Central, they are really good at making sure we have days off. I didn't have any days off in the ethnic church. And here I have Friday and Saturday off. And then also our holidays. We're taking holidays off. They're not expecting us. When I'm taking a holiday off, then I'm not taking Saturday and Sunday. That's two of my holidays already. When everyone else is taking a weekend off, right? They have their weekends. We don't get our weekends. So I have to take a Sunday, obviously. But now I'm taking a Saturday and Sunday just to go out to a wedding. Over, you know, I'm doing a wedding in the East Coast. You know, that's not a vacation for me. I'm actually going to serve and, and do something over there. And then where's the rest for me and my family, right? So uh, again, the ethnic church needs to learn a lot of that. And I think that for people that are coming behind and still serving in the ethnic church, know that that's something you can advocate for. You don't want to advocate for yourself. So build good relationship with elders, build good relationship with leadership and just tell them because I don't think they're adverse to it. They just don't know. I've learned that very much so in the Chinese church. The elders are not against these things. They just don't know. So again, the more networking, the more knowledge you can bring them and the more kind of advocacy for what that looks like in supporting others. So I try to do that with everybody now. With every Asian church, I try to give them more of the handbooks and here's what you can do. Here's how you can support your pastor. Here's what you needed to do to take care of them. And you need more of that from outside. But at the same time, don't, don't limit yourself to make sure you make those connections to help advocate for yourself. Thanks so much, Ben, for your time. Thanks for your advice. Thanks for your insight as well. It's so necessary for our churches, and we appreciate what you're doing. No, I appreciate you guys too. And I, I love what you guys are trying to do with this podcast, as well as all the ministry you guys are both doing. So God bless you guys. And yeah, look forward to what God's going to do with all this. Thanks, Ben. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.